Hey, listen, I'm gonna hop right in to the message today, if that's cool with you guys. We're in week three of our series called Who Do You Stand For? Who do you stand for? Now, we talk a lot about what we stand for, right? We talk about the ideals that we have, that we carry, things that matter to us. But honestly, uh, I think that who you stand for says a lot more about you as a person and about your character than what you stand for. Why? Because People are the ones that come up with the ideas and the things that we stand for. People are the ones that come up with these ideas and these thoughts and and these beliefs that we have. And God actually says that we are to stand for certain people. So week one, we talked about standing for the oppressed. We are going to stand for the oppressed. The Bible talks a lot about oppression. So we defined oppression, we define uh, who those people groups are and who those individuals are in our lives that we might need to stand for. And so that was week one. And then last week, we had another great message about who do you stand for. We talked about Stand Sunday, which if you don't know what Stand Sunday is, is all about standing for orphans and and talking about and bringing light to the orphan crisis that we have, not just here in Texas, but all over the world. And so we literally stood for orphans last week, and there are so many stories. I cannot tell you how many stories I have already gotten from last week uh, that were just so powerful. People that said, hey, I was adopted, and that really meant so much to me that you would bring this up because I don't feel like we talk about it enough. Or hey, we actually have fostered kids in the past and uh, you know, we're, they're not with us right now, but we fostered multiple children in the past and uh, it was just a beautiful thing that our family was able to do and, and reunite some kids with their families. It was amazing. And then some people said they grew up in the system and it was just really awful and, and man, they wanna do what they can to help. And then there were some other parents and families that said, you know what, Pastor, we're really considering fostering and we're really considering adopting. And last week I said there's 71 kids Uh, that need a home right now in Hayes County, but there's about 100 churches in Hayes County. What if every single church took one child? What if every church took one child? So we said, hey, we're gonna stand for orphans, and I just believe that God's gonna do some amazing things uh, over this next year as we learn how to stand for orphans, as James 127 tells us to do. But today, we're talking about standing for the poor. That is the title of the message today, Stand for the Poor. And I think this is a situation that you have certainly found yourself in at one point or another in life, but maybe you drive up to a bustling red light at a popular intersection and somebody walks up on the left side of your car with a cardboard sign and it says, need money, help, food, anything helps. Maybe you're walking in a downtown area and someone approaches you asking for a few dollars for a bus ticket to get home to see their family or a few dollars for gas or for food somewhere in a downtown area. It's an uncomfortable situation sometimes, right? And this is regardless of your faith. You could be a Christian or not a Christian and sometimes it could just be kind of an uncomfortable situation. Let's just be honest with ourselves. Like you don't really always know what to do and people handle those situations very differently but I think it begs the question for us as believers then, what would Jesus do? I know it's such a, you know, basic thing to say or a cliche term. We had the bracelets, you know, in the late 90s, you know what I'm talking about? If you had those early thousands, made all those braces, the big what would Jesus do, WWJD movement was like a huge thing. But I love it because it's a great question to ask in every area of our lives, in every situation we find ourselves in. Hey, what would Jesus do in this moment? What do you think God would do? 
And I think it's a fair question because he could really do one of two things and you could do one of two things as well. And maybe he would give, right? And, and, and knowing that this person was probably going to spend the money that he gave them in the wrong way, right? Like you give to this person, you're like, well, maybe they're gonna go buy drugs or buy alcohol or cigarettes or they're gonna spend it on something frivolously that doesn't even really matter. And he could give to this person full well knowing they're probably gonna spend it in the wrong way. Or he could give this money and maybe trust that they're telling the truth and trust that they're gonna use this money in a positive way and something good for the thing that they actually said that they needed it for. But then I think we ask, what would Jesus do? And then we say, well, okay, well, am I a bad Christian if I don't give? Like if somebody comes up to me and asks me for money, if they're homeless or if they're in need or somebody in my life and they ask for money and I don't give it to them, am I being a bad Christian? Because I know we're supposed to give, we're supposed to be generous and all that stuff. And, uh, but, but then what happens if I do give to one person? Like now do I have to give to every single person that asks me, like every homeless person that ever comes up to me, now I have to give to all of them because now I don't want to discriminate against this person and not this person. Listen, these are the subconscious things that we honestly think. You probably never say these things, right? But we're gonna say these things because we're radical and that's what we do here at Radical Church, right? What are we supposed to do? Where's the line between generosity and helping somebody and stupidity and, and maybe actually funding their bad habits, right? We don't really know where that line is sometimes. So what are we supposed to do? And I think if, if I can today, I wanna help you to maybe understand a little bit about the heart of God for the poor, I think that's the first thing that we need to do is understand, hey, what does God say about the poor? What does the Bible say about the poor? And then let's let that actually guide what we do in these everyday situations that we find ourselves in, amen? Hey, let's pray. Father, I ask that you would open up our eyes and our ears today to understand your heart for the poor and what we can do about it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, short and sweet to the point. Come on, that's your Thanksgiving prayer right there. It's gonna be real fast, I know it is, because that turkey's gonna be right there, come on. Listen, number one, if you're taking notes today, the poor matter to God. The poor matter to God. Leviticus 19, nine through 10, we're gonna be reading a bunch of scripture today. There's so much that the Bible says about the poor. So we're gonna go through a lot of scripture. It will be up on the screens for you if you need some help. Let's go ahead and jump in. When you reap the harvest of your land, this is God speaking, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time. Pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. What is God telling them to do in this moment? He's saying, hey, when you reap uh, the harvest of your land, the stuff that you worked really hard for, don't actually pick all of it up. You need to leave the outer edges so they would leave all around the edge for the poor people or for foreigners that were on a large, uh, you know, a long journey or something like that. Hey, maybe they need some food on their journey and they say, hey, the outside edges, it's easy for them to just come grab something, keep going on their journey. Uh, or, or the poor that can come by and they don't have to like go searching all the way through. Even the vineyards, they say, hey, just leave some of those grapes for some others because they're gonna need to make some wine or they're gonna need to make some different things for themselves as well. Here's the problem with this, right? If I am the farmer, okay, that worked really hard to grow all this stuff. I might be a little upset about this rule, right? Let's just be honest. Hey, I worked for this. I planted those seeds. I watered those things. And they didn't have the modern technology that we do today. They had to work really, really, really hard to make their crops grow. Hey, this is my vineyard, okay, Lord? Like, I, well, why are you trying to take something away from me? I worked real hard for this. This is for my family. And yet God says, 
hey, you actually need to leave some of this for others. Maybe God is trying to teach them that not everything that you have is yours, but everything that God gives you is his first and he gives it to you, amen? He's trying to teach you the concept of even the tithe by leaving the outer edges for others. It's a really, really helpful tool that God uses to teach his people how to be generous. And here's the thing, a lot of people don't know this part, but other nations would actually do this as well. Not even God-fearing nations. This was actually a very common practice. So it wasn't new to the Israelites. It wasn't new to these people that God was asking them to do this. Uh, But the difference is, is those nations were doing it as a sacrifice to their gods, they would leave the outer edges as a way to, to appease their gods and leave this food as, as some kind of a sacrifice to the gods that they serve, these false gods that were not even real. And so what God says is, hey, instead of sacrificing to me, why don't you sacrifice and give to others? I don't need your sacrifice of food. I don't need this stuff. Listen, God's not trying, uh, you don't have to appease our God, right? Like, listen, he's saying, if you will serve others, you are serving me, amen? And that's what God is trying to teach us here in this moment. So a few chapters later, if you wanna flip over to Leviticus 25, 35 through 36, it should be a couple pages over for you. It says this, if any of your fellow Israelites become poor, and are unable to support themselves among you, help them as you would a foreigner and a stranger so they can continue to live among you. Do not take interest or any profit from them, but fear your God so that they may continue to live among you. So God is saying, hey, listen, if somebody around you becomes poor, you can loan them money, but do not charge them any interest. What's he saying? He's saying, don't take advantage of the poor. Don't take advantage of people that are already down and out and they're saying, hey, I just need a little helping hand. I'm going through a hard time. You know, we lost our house, we lost our field, we lost our crops, we lost our, our cattle, whatever it might be back then, or, or we don't have anything and we need a helping hand. And what's the natural thing to do is you're gonna say, hey, well, I'll charge you some interest. Listen, credit card companies do this all the time. They take advantage of the poor left and right, y'all. Why? Because they know that the poor need money. They have lots of money to loan out. And so they end up giving money to the poor and charging a massive amount of interest, knowing that they'll never be able to pay it back. And they're always going to be in debt to them for years and years and years. Sometimes people are in debt, credit card companies, for the rest of their lives because they can never catch up. What is this? This is a prime example of what God says not to do. Do not do this. Do not exploit the poor. So many of y'all work for Discover. Uh, Well, sorry. Anyway, okay. Uh, A credit card company would never loan somebody 0% interest with no strings attached, right? There's always some kind of a catch. Maybe it's 18 months, no interest, all right? 24 months, if they're really feeling, you know, a little crazy there. 24 months, no interest. But they know that some people are not gonna pay it back. And what happens if you don't pay the full loan back is all the interest goes slap from all those 24 months and you have to pay all of it back now. And man, you're gonna be in debt for a really long time. Why do they do that? Because they have, to, they have to make some money, right? They, what's in it for me? And I think that's the natural thing for all of us to think, whether you're a business or whether you're an individual, is say, hey, if I'm gonna loan you some money, uh, I gotta get something out of this, okay? Like, I'm not just gonna loan you some money and not make anything for myself. What happens if you don't pay me back? What happens if I don't get my money back? Now I'm at a loss, and I think that's the problem, is we're asking that question, uh, not just as businesses and corporations, but just in general, as an individual. If somebody was in need, You say, if I help you financially, what's in it for me? If I help and I give to the poor, what's in it 
for me. Am I making anything off of this or am I just giving away my money frivolously now? And, and of course, we know that that's not true generosity, is it? That's not real generosity because there's a string attached. Generosity is giving with no strings attached, with no expectation of a return. And for God's people, generosity was actually a command. It's not something that was optional, not something that say, hey, hey, maybe you can give if you guys feel like it. You know, like God's like, all right, cool. You know, maybe, maybe you can leave the outer edges if you want. You know, that's cool. Or, or actually, you know, uh, maybe leave a couple grapes. I mean, if you don't want to, that's cool. You don't really have to, guys. No, no, no. It was a command to leave the outer edges. It was a command to leave those things. And there's many, many other laws where God says it is your responsibility Not something that I'm just saying, hey, you can do this if you feel like it, to be generous. No, no, no. It was a law. It was your responsibility to take care of the poor. It was commanded. We find that in Deuteronomy 15. We're going to read a long passage here, okay? So you guys hang with me. Normally, I would cut them up, but this passage is just so good. I wanted to read this entire thing to you. So it's Deuteronomy 15, verses 1 through 11. It says this. At the end of every seven years you must cancel debts. Some of y'all said, amen, hallelujah, come on. This is how it is to be done. Every creditor shall cancel any loan they have made to a fellow Israelite. They shall not require payment from anyone among their own people because the Lord's time for canceling debts has been proclaimed. You may require payment from a foreigner, but you must cancel any debt your fellow Israelite owes you. However, there need be no poor people among you. For in the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess as your inheritance, he will richly bless you. If only you fully obey the Lord your God and are careful to follow all these commands I'm giving today. For the Lord your God will bless you as he has promised, and you will lend to many nations but will borrow from none. You'll rule over many nations, but none will rule over you. If anyone's poor among your fellow Israelites in any of the towns of the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Rather, be open-handed, Freely lend them whatever they need. Be careful not to harbor this wicked thought. And this is where I would get trapped, right? This is, this is immediately where I'm thinking like, oh man, like the Bible just knows. God already knows what we're gonna think. The seventh year, the year for canceling debts is near so that you do not show ill will toward the needy among your fellow Israelites and give them nothing. They may then appeal to the Lord against you and you'll be found guilty of sin. So give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work, and everything you put your hand to. There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed toward your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy in your land. Wow, that is a really interesting passage, is it not? It starts off immediately saying, every seven years, you are to cancel all debts. Now, I know that there's a fight right now going on between, you know, student loan debt uh, and, and the, the, the administration and Supreme Court and everybody's fighting, you know, cancel the student loans. And there's people on one side that have student loans that they're like, yo, I'd be cool with that, you know. And then there's the people on the other side, they're like, yo, I paid my student loans. I put in my dues. I put in my time. Like, you better not be canceling it for these people that didn't pay it. that took out too many loans. Listen, you know what? At the end of the day, this is what's so interesting. God had his own economy. God had his own way of doing things. And he said, hey, listen, among your people, Every seven years, I don't care how much money you loan, I don't care how little money you loan, just cancel it all. Just cancel it so that there won't be any people in debt to anyone else around you. And he says, don't withhold assistance to someone in need because that year is close. I don't know about you, but if I'm in year six, all right, and we're about to hit year seven, 
And some homeboy comes up to me and says, hey, yo, can I get, like, three sheep and, like, a couple of oxen and stuff and, like, a few goats maybe because, man, like, I need some milk. We need some food. Like, we ain't got much around here. Like, could I take some grain or something like that? I'd be in year six. Maybe I need some money. Give me some shekels, all right? You know, like, I don't know. I can't remember the money they used back then. So they say, hey, I need all kinds of money. I need this stuff. I'd be looking at him. I'd be like, you're probably trying to take advantage of me because you know next year you ain't going to have to pay this back, right? But what does it say? It says, don't withhold assistance because then they could actually go and, and accuse you of sinning before the Lord because you didn't, you weren't open-handed to them because you knew that they were just maybe trying to take advantage of you. Maybe they weren't trying to take advantage of you, but you still didn't give them the assistance that they asked for. That is a tough one, okay? Now remember, this is Old Testament law. Doesn't necessarily apply perfectly to today, but the concept is still there that we are to be open-handed and generous to those brothers and sisters around us. And then it says in here, and this is my favorite part, okay? It says, give cheerfully. Give without a begrudging heart. And if you give cheerfully, the best part is, is that there is a promise attached to giving cheerfully and being generous. And that is that I will bless you. How many of you want the blessings of God in your life? Can I get an amen this morning? I wanna be blessed by God. I want my family to be taken care of. I want provision from God. Listen, I could have a job and I could work my booty off, okay? But I would much rather get the provision that God provides because his provision is gonna be better than any provision that I can come up with with my earthly mind and my earthly talents and skills. What God gives us is better than anything that we could come up with. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from above. It comes from the Father. Not from us, not from us working hard, not from us being super smart and having a great job that pays six figures. That's not what it comes from. Everything we have comes from God. And when we give and when we're generous, God is able now to bless us and, and bless our hands and the other things that we do in our lives. God is able to bless you when you bless others, which leads me to point number two, which is another cliche thing, but I'm going to say it anyway. We are blessed to be a blessing. Come on now, somebody. We are blessed to be a blessing. Listen, God gives us financial provision, not just to use on our own pleasures, but to reach out to those that are in need. It's very clear. James 4, 3, it says this. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Come on, how many of you ever asked for something but you did it with the wrong motive? You know that you did. Maybe you asked your mom or your dad when you were growing up and you were asking maybe for money or something like that and you said you were gonna use it for something but then you ended up using it for something else or you asked for something and you just had no desire to use it for the thing that you were asking for it for, right? And for me, anyway, I might be thinking, okay, like, <clears throat> Lord, I need a raise today. Lord Jesus, come on, give me a raise, somebody, because those four looking sick. I love those Ford Broncos. Can I get one of them, Lord Jesus? Come on, hallelujah. I need more money, Lord, because this guy needs a cruise to the Bahamas. Come on, Lord Jesus, right? That is not the reason that we should be asking for more money, okay? Like, we need to ask for more money, more provision, more resources from the Lord, not so that we can spend it on guilty and selfish pleasures, right? But so that we can use it to advance the kingdom of God, to take care of our family, and to do good in our communities. Amen? Hey, ain't nothing wrong with having a nice car. Ain't nothing wrong with going on a cruise. But listen, you need to understand, if you're asking for provision so that you can simply use it on yourself, then maybe the Lord's not going to bless that. Maybe you need to learn how to start being generous. 
Maybe you need a tithe for the first time. I don't know if you give to your local church, if you call Radical Church your home, I would encourage you to start doing that and see what God can do because he can do a lot more with the 90% than he can with your 100%. If you would give your 10%, I guarantee you God would take care of you in ways that you have never seen before. I always say it, we give because he gave. And the reason I say that is if we will give and we will be honoring of God in our first fruits, which is what the Bible says, then I guarantee you he is able to bless you, which is what we just saw in that passage before. I wonder if maybe the reason that you haven't been financially blessed yet is also because it might actually destroy your life. You ever thought about that before? People that win the lotteries, what ends up happening to them most of the time? Their lives end up being destroyed. You know, the divorce rate for people that win the lottery, it is astronomical. The rate of poverty and actually falling out of and going into bankruptcy after they have won the lottery, astronomical because they don't know how to handle the money that they have already been given. They don't know how to handle this excess because they didn't even know how to handle the little that they had been given. Matthew 19, 23 says, Jesus said to his disciples, truly I tell you, it's hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's hard for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. I think if we are really, really honest with ourselves, we know why that is, right? If you're really rich, you don't need nothing. Hey, if I got all kinds of money, I got all the things that this world has to offer, why do I need a savior? Why do I need Jesus? What can he do for me that I can't already do for myself? That's why Jesus says that it's hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven because it's easy to fall in love with the money. A lot of people will say the the root of all evil is money, and that's not necessarily true. It is the love of money that is the root of all evil. That is, uh, that's the passage, that's actually the scripture. It's the love of money. It's when you look at the money and you look at that bank account and when it's fat, you're like, mm, man, we are good to go. I don't need nothing, I don't need nobody. I am good on my own. And many times you see in, in poor and developing countries, the rate of Christianity spreads like wildfire. Why is that? Because they understand that they need a savior. Everything they have comes from God. They understand the concept of giving and being generous to one another even when they don't have much themselves. And the gospel is able to spread in a beautiful way. So learn to be generous with what you have and God can trust you with the excess. He can trust you with more that you're going to be generous with it. And you're like, okay, that sounds good. All right, pastor, I can do that. I could be generous. I could be generous. I could give lots of money. I could be generous to the poor. Uh, I could live a life of generosity to those around me. Um, But there's a problem. Because when we start living a life of generosity, there's something that we do that is a critical mistake. It's a big mistake that many people do when they start having all this extra money uh, to spend, to give to other people. And, And I've always said, and I think a lot of us say, man, I wish that I could have more so that I could give more. I think a lot of our hearts are in the right place, right? Like I would love to have more resources and more money and I see people that are able to just give uh, just so generously and it blows my mind sometimes how generous some of you are in this church and people in my life that I've seen, they're able to give to so many organizations and when somebody comes to them and say, hey, I'm in need, they just give and give and give and they're so happy and it's amazing and I'm like, Lord, I want that. I wanna be able to do that. But I think oftentimes we make a critical mistake when we start getting those resources and start giving, and that's 
we treat people like projects. And my next point is that people are not projects. They are people, amen? We start having these resources to give and, and now we think that, that we're some hotshot that's giving and helping all these different people and it's, it's a thing that gets into our minds where we start to get a little prideful, right? Hey, I got these resources, I'm helping out a bunch. Like, uh, you know, these people really need my help, right? Let's read this right here in Psalm 82, three through four. It says, defend the weak and the fatherless. We read this last week for Orphan Sunday. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. Now, if you read that verse and you've got a lot of resources, you say, defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor. Rescue the weak and the needy. And you might have this, this thing where you say, you know what, I'm gonna stand for the poor. Hey, this is a good thing. I'm gonna stand for the poor. This is what the Bible says, right? We're supposed to do this. This is a good thing to do. I'm gonna help these broken people, right? These people that can't stand up for themselves. These, these poor, poor, sad, dirty, nasty people that just can't stand up. You see where I'm going with this, right? You think that subconsciously sometimes because we start to have all these resources. We look at people that are in other nations, maybe in developing countries, and we think of them as less than, and we have this savior God complex that we're gonna come in and save the day because this is what the word says, right? Defend the weak and the fathers. I'm coming to your defense, but yet many times what we do is we try to help them in ways that they don't even really need because we think that we know better. And we get a savior complex saying, you know, like I'm, I'm the one that's gonna come in and help or I'm gonna do this and it, it's good intentions. Many times it's great intentions and we wanna try to help in great ways and yet we end up trying to become their savior instead of pointing them to the only savior, which is Jesus. And recognizing that everything that we had came from God in the first place and everything that we give is for God. It has nothing to do with you or me. It has nothing to do with us. And sometimes we treat those in need like we know what they need more than they do. And I think that's a sad thing that we do sometimes. And we give thinking that we know what's gonna help, but sometimes it hurts. There's a book, it's actually called When Helping Hurts. And I would really uh, encourage some of you to read it. It's a great book. And sometimes it does hurt. I think there's many benefits to short-term mission trips. I went on a few short-term mission trips in my life. They're amazing, they can be very, very helpful. They can also be very, very hurtful to the local communities that are there. Very hurtful. Because then what happens is they end up coming to rely on the short-term mission teams that come in all the time to help, that they are no longer empowered to live their lives as human beings and have the dignity to do these things for themselves. That's when helping hurts. Maybe you come in and short-term missions teams come in and bring a bunch of food uh, and they're just like have all this amazing spread and they just supply this food all the time, all the time. And, uh, but then what are you not doing? You're not teaching them how to maybe plant their own crops. You could teach them how to dig a well. Maybe not dig the well for them, but how about you bring some locals along with you, partner with some community leaders there and let's teach you how to do this for yourself, right? So that it'll be sustainable for the long term. We like to help because it does make us feel good about ourselves and it is a good thing to help. But I think a good question to ask is, hey, are we really helping or are we hurting in this way? So when you're considering maybe going on a short-term missions trip or maybe you're considering giving to somebody in a certain way, I would ask that question to myself. Am I helping or am I hurting? Because let's be honest, many times we give so that we can have that really nice Instagram post, right? 
We give, and I've seen memes about this, and maybe you have too on Facebook or Instagram, whatever, and we give, and, and it's almost like, it's so dehumanizing in a sense to have a homeless person, and somebody comes up and gives them a bunch of money, and then you end up making a TikTok video about it so that you can actually make more money off of that homeless person. That's some messed up stuff, right? But this is some stuff that we deal with, right? Because we're prideful, and we don't think about these things. We care more about us than we actually do about the person that we're supposed to be giving to. So how do we do it the right way? How do we do it the right way? And this is my last point today, and it is practice compassion. Practice compassion. And now I mean that in multiple ways. I mean practice compassion as in do compassion, like practice it, but I also mean actually practice it. Like maybe you're not good at compassion yet. You've never given to anybody before. And you don't even know what this looks like. You've never given, maybe you've never given to a homeless person before. And maybe practice compassion in a different way. Give to somebody that's in need. The next time somebody asks, give to them. And I think the first thing that you could do, uh, if you wanna take some notes here on how to practice compassion and, and, and care about the poor the right way, I would ask, how can I help? That's the first question that all of us need to ask when somebody is in need, as you say, how can I help? You don't wanna come in and say, hey, listen, this is what I'm gonna do to help you, right? You say, hey, what's the need here? And how can I help to meet that need? And then do whatever they say. Many times you might say, hey, how can I help? And they'll say, hey, well, I really need this. And you'd be like, well, do you though? Like, because actually I think that you need, really it was all about you in the first place. It wasn't really about that person and their need. You just wanted to do something that you wanted to do. Everybody with me here? We okay? I know it's a little hard hitting today, but I think this is very important stuff that we need to understand from the Bible, all right? So, hey, listen, I'm working on a project right now too, and uh, I'm about to really start getting into this with our team and talking to some community leaders about it, but it's a project called Love Kyle, okay? Love Kyle. So, I consider Kyle my hometown. I moved here, my grandparents in 2000, and my family moved here in 2007. I was just a sophomore in high school. Um, so I consider this my hometown. And I love this city. And many of you live in Buda, many of you live in San Marcos, right? But our church is here in Kyle, and so we rally around Kyle, Texas, and we wanna help this city grow and to flourish in many ways. And, and this project Love Kyle is something that's been on my heart for a while, and it's simply... Uh, a way for us to give back to the community by doing community service projects all throughout the summer. And we have a lot of people here, and I've talked with Mayor Mitchell a few times, and, and I said, hey, how can we help? How can we help? Not, hey, Mayor, this is what we wanna do. No, 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 hey, how can we help? And he gave me a couple little things here and there. He said, hey, this would be really helpful, this would be really helpful, and I was like, all right, cool, okay. Talk to a few other people about this and community leaders and people that really have a lot of say in what goes on in Kyle. And I'm asking them, hey, what are the needs in our city? What are the needs uh, of families that are around and what can Radical Church do to help meet that need in our city? And so that's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna continue to talk with community leaders. There's a few of them that are here in this room today that I'll probably be reaching out to more, so get ready. Uh, but love Kyle is something that I'm working on and saying, hey, how can we help? How can we be a part of the solution to the problems that we find here in our city? So ask, how can I help? And then do that thing. That's how you practice compassion. Number two, it's partner with people who are already doing a good work. You don't have to reinvent the wheel 
You don't have to come up with your own nonprofit just to go help poor people, right? Listen, there are people that are doing it really, really well already. They are already helping people that are in need right here in our community and beyond. So listen, instead of trying to do your own thing, why don't you just partner with somebody that's already doing a phenomenal job? That's why one of our miracle offering partners, uh, which we gave to last year, and you've heard from Esperanza and Trey before, but it's Hayes Hope to Go. Hayes Hope to Go, they do a lot of good for the community. They give clothes out. It's a Hayes clothes closet as well. They give clothes and they give food out to families that are in need in our Hayes CISD school district right here in Hayes County. They're already doing a great job. I remember when we, before we even launched the church, uh, COVID was happening. We launched our church in the middle of COVID, if you're new and didn't know that, but we've only been around for two years. And before COVID started, I knew I wanted to help somehow. I didn't know how. But I got in touch with Esperanza and I said, hey, listen, we wanna give food and clothes and, and, and necessities to people that are in need. We don't know how to do that. We don't know who's in need. But I'm assuming you do, right? She said, oh, absolutely. Oh, of course, we have a list. We have families that are on this list that could really use some assistance. And I said, amazing, we have the volunteers and we have the finances, and you have the know-how to get this thing done. Hey, let's partner together, and we've been partnering with them ever since. That's how you practice compassion. So Hayes Hope to Go is another organization that we're gonna give to on Miracle Offering Sunday on December 4th, so I encourage you to come back for that. There's another organization. It's called Convoy of Hope. Convoy of Hope does some great good all over the world, they are amazing at disaster relief. They are one of the first people on the scene. It, like before FEMA's there, Convoy of Hope is there sometimes. It is incredible. They bring truckloads full of food, uh, non-perishables and assistance, medical assistance. They help all around the world as well. And they have a program called Feed One, which we're also a part of. Today, there's some Chi Alpha people, uh, which is from, uh, uh, it's a missions organization at Texas State. Like I said, that table that's out there that has the XA on it, that's Chi Alpha. They're actually selling Christmas cookies and, and custom-made Christmas cards and some Radical Church stickers, right, that you can buy. Uh, we're selling them, I think they're selling them for like $10, and almost all of that is gonna go toward Feed One and toward Convoy of Hope and also to Chi Alpha at Texas State to help them reach Texas State students for Jesus. Come on. So these are a few of these organizations that we're gonna be giving to. The point I'm making is, hey, listen, they're already doing a great job. So we don't have to reinvent the wheel. Let's just partner with them and see what we can do. And then we'll have a few things like Love Kyle that might be something that's unique to us as a church body and a church family that maybe we can spearhead as well. Number three, and I think this is something that all of us need to do on an individual level, is just keep your eyes open. Just keep your eyes open. Keep your heart open. Keep your ears open. When you hear of a need, when you see a need, don't turn your eyes blindly against it. And we've talked about this for the last couple of weeks. When you see somebody that's in need or maybe you, uh, you, you've never heard about the orphan crisis before and so it doesn't affect you, right? And so we just kind of turn our eyes and, you know, we're kind of, I'm doing my own thing. I'm living my own life. Or maybe you've never thought about that there's people that are oppressed right here in, in Hayes County and beyond and, 
A21 is one of the organizations that we're partnering with as well that fights against human trafficking. Well, listen, if you didn't know that human trafficking is a massive, massive deal, and if you didn't know that it's a crisis and there's something that you can do about it, right, well, then you don't know. So we're trying to talk about these things so we can open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts to say, hey, listen, God calls us to stand for these people. God calls us to do something, not just to like sit around and and live our lives as if none of this stuff is going on around us. Like there's people that are in need. There's people that are in modern day slavery. There's kids that don't have a loving family and there's people that are poor and that don't have the basic life necessities to get by in life and to experience it all God has for them. Many times we turn our eyes and we say, ah, I just don't, you know, just not gonna look. The homeless person comes, and listen, we've all done it, right? The homeless person comes down, and you just don't want to make eye contact because you just feel awkward about it, right? Sometimes I think maybe we just need to look somebody right in the eye and say, hey, I see you. Like, I see what you're going through right now. Like, I don't understand it, but, like, maybe I can. I don't know. Like, what can I do to understand what it is that these people are going through right now? Maybe some of you have been in that position before. And you understand full well what it means to be homeless. You understand full well what it means, maybe even right now, to live paycheck to paycheck to paycheck, not knowing where your food's gonna come from. And you're putting all your bills on credit cards. You're going to HEB to get food or you're going to Walmart to get food and you're putting it on a credit card and you know that 19, 20 something percent is just gonna jack it up and you're just gonna be in debt for a long time, but you literally have no choice because your kids have to eat. What else am I supposed to do? And listen, I hope that you would practice compassion because maybe you're not in that position right now, but maybe one day you will be. And I sure hope that when you are in need of help and when you're in need of assistance, that you have somebody that would step up and say, hey, listen, I see you and I see what you're going through. I know that you're going through a hard time. I mean, I heard you say this. What do you, what do you mean? Like, are you guys all right? Are you guys doing good? Can we help? I hope that you'll have somebody like that in your life. And I guarantee you, if you will practice generosity now, when that time comes for you, I believe that God will take care of you, whether it's through a person, whether it's through provision. Man, you might get a random insurance check in the mail. I've seen it happen. I've heard it happen before. Crazy things have happened where people have gotten provision from God in supernatural ways. And I believe it's because they learned how to practice generosity in their everyday life. And when they were in need of help, God said, hey, I see you. I'll take care of you. John, 1 John 3.17 says, if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? And should we always give? Like, let's go back to that question. Like, if I see a homeless person, am I supposed to get every single time? Listen, I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know is this. If my first response to somebody that's in need is to think, man, go get a job. If my first response to somebody that's in need is saying like, you're not even gonna use it on food or finances or trying to find a home or anything like that. You're not gonna use it on that. Come on, man, I'm not, I'm not doing that. If that's your first response every single time, you know what I would challenge you to do? I want you to give to every single person that asks you for a set time period. Just give to every single person you see. If you see a homeless person, give to them. Listen, doesn't matter if you think that they're gonna use it for good or bad. Just practice compassion for a while and see if it does not make you feel better about your own life and where you're at, but that's not what it's about. Listen, practicing compassion is learning how to trust God with your finances, 
It might be good for you to give every single time for a while and educate yourself on why poverty occurs because it's not always the reasons that you think. Let me know after you do that if you think Jesus was wrong when he said it's better to give than it is to receive. Just let me know. We can talk about that. Would you stand with me? I say this all the time and I think it's just pretty funny, but like if Jesus says something, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna take his word for it, right? He said it's better to give than it is to receive. And maybe that doesn't make sense to us because it's just not the way that we think we like to receive. Christmas is coming up, come on. I would like to receive a few things, amen? Like I would love to have some great Christmas presents. Thanksgiving's coming up. I would love to receive some turkey, amen? But at the end of the day, man, if you're not living your life for others, if you're not practicing compassion for other people around you, I guarantee you there is going to be something missing in your life. And I think there's a piece and a part of of God that you're never gonna fully understand because Jesus gave everything he had for you and for me. In fact, We talked about it earlier, but the Bible says that we are all in need of a savior, right? Sometimes we think that we're the savior that's gonna come in and help and help different people all around the world and we feel good about ourselves, whatever, right? But at the end of the day, we all are in need of a savior, whether you have a lot of money, whether you have a little bit of money, whether you have a nice house or a nice car or whether you're living paycheck to paycheck and you don't even know where the food is gonna be on the table this next week. But Jesus became poor so that you could become rich. Did you know that? 2 Corinthians 8, 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Now some of y'all are like, praise God, I'm about to be rich. It said it in the Bible. Listen, this is not prosperity gospel here today at Radical Church, all right? This is not talking about you getting all kinds of financial glory and gain, okay? Because Jesus was poor, so I'm going to be rich. Come on, we are believing for, no, no, that's not what we're doing here today, okay? What does the verse mean, guys? Come on, it means that Jesus became poor in spirit so that you could be rich and have the abundant life that God has for you, so you can have a relationship with God the Father again, right? This is what Jesus did for you and for me. He became a lowly servant so that you might be elevated. Isn't that amazing? And yet, we're supposed to say, hey, less of me and more of him. That's what we're supposed to say in our lives. It's so backwards from the way that we think, but God wants you to be rich in an abundant life, not necessarily just financially. Why does Jesus say, our Father, heart, hallowed be thy name, that kingdom come, that will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us this day what? Our daily bread. That's all we need. And I just need what I need, God. And I'll give the rest to you, amen? Let's bow our heads today. There might be some of you in here today that you might say, hey, I just feel, I mean, this message has connected with me in a powerful way. Uh, maybe I'm in a, in a position of poverty right now. Maybe you're living paycheck to paycheck or maybe you're struggling right now in your family. You don't know where your finances are gonna come from. Uh, even in just the next few weeks, the next few months, maybe you've lost a job and you're just struggling right now. Or maybe you're in this place today and you say, hey, you know, this message has connected with me because I feel like, hey, I have the ability and the resources to give and to do more, and I haven't. 
and I don't know what that looks like for me. And, and maybe you're one of those people that does look at maybe homeless people or you look at somebody that's in need and somebody that's struggling and you kind of look down on them a little bit and you say, you know what, like, I'm not gonna really look at this problem. I'm just gonna think about me. And maybe you're saying here today, wow, I didn't know what the Bible had to say about the poor. I think I need to do some more. Whatever that looks like for you, I'd encourage you to press into that and see what God has for you. So maybe that's you. Or maybe you're in this place today and, and you're saying, hey, I just need to get right with God. I, I haven't been living my life for him. And you know, I'm recognizing that I am in need of a savior. Even if I am rich by the world's standards, listen, you are poor in spirit today right now. If you do not have Jesus living within you, if you don't have the Holy Spirit living within you, there is this thing called spiritual poverty that you have right now. You might be spiritually poor, you might be spiritually dead and you say, you know what, I am in need of a savior here today. Hey, I just wanna pray with you and I wanna believe with you that God is going to do a miraculous work in your life. So hey, if, if you're one of those first two people, maybe you're struggling financially or you're one of those people that's saying, hey, I, I need to give more actually. I'm doing well and I wanna be able to do more. Please, with every head bowed, and every eye closed, I'm honestly not even really gonna look, but I just want you to like within your heart say, hey, this is me. And if you wanna raise your hand and you wanna say, hey, listen, I wanna do more, or man, I'm needing provision from God right now. Listen, I just encourage you to pray in your heart to God that he will provide for you or that you will be able to give and provide more for others in this place today. But this last question, for that person that says, you know what, I need to get right with God. Man, I want you to be bold today. I want you to raise your hand and say, hey, listen, that's me. I wanna get right with Jesus today. I'm in need of a savior. Come on, I see you right there. I see you right here. I see you over there on the left side. I see you on the right side. In the back, I see you, my man, over there. Come on, there's about five or six people raising their hand right now. Can we just give God praise right now in the house of God? Amen, amen, amen. Hey, you can put your hands down. Hey, I wanna pray with each and every one of you. Uh, and will you all pray with me as we pray with these people that are accepting Jesus into their lives right now? Come on, somebody say, Jesus. Today, I recognize that I'm spiritually poor without you. So today, I make you Lord of my life, my savior, my king. And I recognize that everything I have comes from you. Help me to learn to be more generous with the things you've given me in my finances, in my time, and with my life. Let me glorify you. I give you honor. I give you praise. In Jesus' name. Come on, say amen today with me. Let's put our hands together for five, six people that are saying yes to Jesus today. Man, that's amazing, that's amazing. The, the Bible says that uh, there's a party in heaven every single time that somebody says yes to Jesus. So I love to party a little bit uh, and just celebrate with those people that are doing that. So hey, if that was you and you say, hey, I wanna get right with God today, would you mind meeting me outside? I would love to talk with you. Make sure you fill out a connect card and right on the back say, hey, I'm giving my life to Jesus. There's a little checkbox for that so that we can follow up with you and help you in your walk with God. Hey, let me pray for you one more time before we get out of here. Father, I thank you for every person represented here today, every family, everybody watching online uh, that's been online with us today, Lord, that might be sick, and uh, a lot of kids and a lot of families are sick right now. So God, we're asking for healing for them over their bodies, over their minds. Give them peace right now. And I pray a blessing over every family. 
financially, Lord, with provision that you would give us our daily bread and you would bless us so that we could be a blessing to others. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, have a great day. God bless you. We'll see you next week.